0: For this series of podcasts, we created a bank of 250 flying-related questions, some serious, some not so much. We then put them into a random question generator and asked pilots to give us their answers. The results are often thought-provoking, hilarious, or even reassuring. This week's guest is...
1: I'm Dara Hogan. I'm Irish. I'm a chartered management accountant, but worked really in general management and business. I never really liked pure accountancy. And I'm retired a year and a half, but the seven years before I retired, I changed tack completely and set up um, an early years group for a charity I've been involved with for 30 years. And I branded it fledglings after my, my love of flying. And so we had eight fledglings, creches and preschools, created 72 jobs uh, three, nearly 300 child places in that seven years. So it was just a, a lovely way to end my career. I, I was so lucky, I think, to have, you know, had that diversion away from the commercial world into the not-for-profit sector. I'm flying less now than I used to. And uh, I, I was, uh, and I'm sure my family suffered because my son used to fly with me and we would head out every opportunity we got. So I was flying 40 hours a year with only one or two trips away, which wasn't lot. but I'm back now to 15 hours a year. Just because of, I think, the pressure of grandchildren and, I suppose, having a more balanced lifestyle and being less obsessive and addictive.
2: Okay, well, I sent you 10 random questions. Yes, I saw them. (laughs) And the first one was, what first made you want to fly?
1: Yeah, that's quite an interesting question because I met Mary in 1966 and she was 15 and I was 17 and we were at a party in, in uh, a mutual friend's house, the teenager's party. And she, I was doing my leaving search, which is leaving school. And she asked me, what should I want to do? And I said, I wanted to be an airline pilot, but that I'd probably be an accountant like my father, which is exactly what happened. But I really was interested in this unfulfilled way in, in flight. And years later, in the in the 90s, a, a hang glider friend, Eamon Thompson, who, who kept saying to me, I had to uh, learn to fly, came back and said, you'd love this new thing called paragliding. And the equipment is less expensive and it's not as heavy and you can learn more easily. In fact, you can learn too easily. And put me in touch with two other guys, uh, Fred LeHiff and Peter Willis, uh, who had uh, a paragliding school. They were both hang gliders who went paragliding. And uh, that was it. My son and I went along to a taster weekend and we were just hooked in July '95.
2: So what's the best bit of flying advice you ever received?
1: I don't recall a specific piece of advice, but I do remember uh, only a few years ago is the the importance of grit and determination and commitment. And I was flying at Mount Lancer, We were ridge-soaring a bit and a little bit thermic. And I saw... I wasn't getting the lift I wanted. And I saw an unfamiliar wing out in the valley. And I said, he's going down. And suddenly he connected. And I went out underneath him, connected the same thermal and flew on for another hour, had a great time. and went in and we both landed and went over to see who it was. And it was Tom Cardis, who's a Polish guy, brilliant pilot. But he'd been paralysed, as we thought, a couple of years ago in a paragliding accident, a very serious accident. But he had retained some function back in, I think, in one leg. And his friends were helping him to launch. And he was back in the air that day. And he just set a great example to me. And I suppose the example isn't just the thermal that helped me, but the fact that he had such great determination to get back into the air when, you know, the rest of us would have sort of hung up our boots, I think. Yeah, the other thing in terms of learning, I think, is that you never know everything you need to know. And I, I, I have a reasonable understanding of the weather, but I'm not an expert. And I remember Doc, Pete Willis, one of the, our instructors, showing me what looked like a thermal coming out of a, a flat cloud across the horizon. And it was an inversion. It was a thermal breaking through. And I realised I'd been flying for a couple of years and I really hadn't studied things. And I didn't know what an inversion was or what a thermal breaking through an inversion looked like and I realized then that it is so complex and that I probably should study weather systems in a bit more depth but I certainly now recognize my limitations and always take advice from the guys I know who are and some girls too who are experts at the weather and that I can follow their example and take their lead.
2: How has flying changed over the years that you've been doing it?
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's fascinating. Really, the changes in, in the equipment. I think when I think my son Owen started out <laughs> again with Ian, what's Ian Currer came across from Northern PG in '95 with a whole lot of gear, and Fred and Doc uh, set us all up, and we all bought our starter gliders. and Owen bought a Black Magic, <laughs> which when I think about it, and I bought um, an Apco Sentra, I think. And when I look at the, the difference in performance now to what we had then, especially Owen's Black Magic, I mean it was it was positively dangerous, I'm sure. Um, so the the real way I think flying has changed is how the ordinary average weekend pilot sports wing, like I have, I've got an, an Advanced Epsilon Seven. The performance is so good now compared to what we saw in the mid 90s and even the, the 2000s and the second thing that's changed in the kit again is that the weight there's so much excellent lightweight gear and i'm not as fit as i used to be i'm 66 so i'm getting on a bit and i'm, I'm overweight so to be able to get light gear that'll carry me is just tremendous there are such huge advantages and the the i think that the, the wings we have now are much safer and have much better performance it's a, it's wonderful
2: have you ever lost something because it fell when you took off or when you were in the air? <laughs>
1: yeah, yes. I remember going to Mount Leinster, which is the centre of our little universe here. It's, it's an hour, and little, it's less than an hour and a half from Dublin by road, and I ended up on the mountain uh, without my boots, which I couldn't believe. I, I, crispy, nice, crispy flying boots, and. Had to, fly, had to take off in lightweight trainers and sure as hell didn't I? lost one of them just on a rock or something and had a, a nasty flight and a funny landing doing a hop, skip, and jump kind of landing. So, happily, nothing more than that. But the other thing, mentioning the crispy boots, I've had a consistent problem whereby they have a, a kind of a shank, an ankle support at the back of the heel. On all of my wings, those ankle supports got caught on the speed bar every time. Uh, I stood on the on the loop. The actual horizontal bar would get caught in the shanks of my ankle, and it's so distracting, it's actually dangerous. So now I took those shanks out, so I don't have the level of ankle support that I used to have, and it's better, but it's not it's not completely avoidable. It really bothers me that the the, the speed bar gets hooked on on the lip of my boot at the back.
2: If you landed next to a magic swimming pool that contained whatever you wanted it to, what would it be full of?
1: Yeah, I, I, I have an immediate answer for that. And the answer is my four wonderful grandchildren, whom I've been swimming with for, for, for a couple of years now. Uh, and they're Lachlan, who's seven, and Leah, who's five, and Emily, who's three, and James, who's one. So mm. I bring the three older ones swimming. and We have a great time. But we, we've actually had the four of them in the pool. Mary has come along with the, the little fellow, the baby. And... It's, they're just a real central part of my life. And one of the happy reasons I'm getting less airtime these days, uh, and they won't be children for, for very long, so I think these years are so important. And I, I, Mary really raised our children. I was very busy at work, I think, when we were younger. And I was an active dad and very involved with the children, but I'm putting more time, I think, into my grandchildren than I did to my children, which is it's just a terrific time of life. It's, it's very happy. So I, I'd love them to be in the pool if I was uh, coming back.
2: <laughs> Do you prefer to thermal left or right?
1: Yes, I don't know why, but I I, I, I used to thermal to, to the right all the time, just naturally, I think, because I'm right-handed. I don't know why that is, but I tore my rotator cuff on the on the right shoulder last year, and now I find myself turning to the left because I'm just conscious of this this shoulder, this slight shoulder injury. But really, if uh, we're usually flying with other people, and if uh, <laughs> I wouldn't often be the first one to catch a thermal. So if there is one and I'm joining it, there are usually others in it, and I would follow their lead, of course, as I go in at the bottom.
2: Which describes you best, beeline stall, spiral dive, or big ears?
1: Well, yeah, that's that's definitely big ears. Um, I worry about beeline stalls in terms of the risk of damage to the wing like that. And didn't a number of the manufacturers indicate that it wasn't the best thing to be doing with any regularity? Uh, uh, I, I worried about that. And spiral dive, we did spiral dive, is obviously an SIV, but uh, I, I actually get air sick sometimes. And I remember the sensation of air sickness cre- creeping up on me in spiral dives so i i avoid them i think o- unless it was a complete emergency but i'd regularly pull big ears and enjoy doing that it's 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 a, it's the, i think it's the best and safest descent method especially if you just stand on you're standing on the bar as well uh, it's more than enough of the ca- type of flying i'm doing
2: which pilot dead or alive do you most look up to
1: well, that is an easy one and the answer is jockey sanderson we did our first SIV and a few subsequent ones with him uh, all of them in Turkey, and also some uh, of our first exes were following uh, Chris White and, and, and Jockey in Turkey. I think he did a, a half week of SIV and a half week of XE training, and it was wonderful. So uh, I, I truly admire him. He's such he's an outstanding teacher, and he's also the, produced all these wonderful DVDs, which I'm looking at here. We, have, we had the uh, the early VHSs, I think, and then CDs and DVDs. He's, he has done so much for so many pilots and he, he is, behind it all, such a, a, a nice guy and wonderful to, to, to fly with and to be there. He's an inspiration.
2: Name three words that describe the sensation of flying.
1: Yeah, I was going to say like a bird, but I, I don't think our flying is quite bird-like at all. I think uh, we're, we're a bit uh, tied to our wings, aren't we? And so the words I chose were exhilarating, life-changing and addictive.
2: Excellent. Thank you very much, Dara.
0: For more paragliding and hang gliding related podcasts, please visit the podcast page of www.theparaglider.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast or any of our many previous podcasts, webcasts or articles, please consider making a donation to the paraglider. You can find the donate button on any of the podcast pages of the site, or on the homepage at www.theparaglider.com. Many thanks.